Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hi again. This is Sue Rose Minahan, Talk Cosmos. August 10th, and repeating on Thursday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning on the 15th. And our subject tonight is still Leo, and it involves the Venus star point and Regulus, which is a fixed star. These are amazing energies. On August 13th, the Sun and the Venus meet in exact same degree. And in the cycle of Venus and the Sun, it happens five times during eight years, shifting these points. And there are several astrologers that are becoming very enormous advocates for this. For This is a significant backdrop of our entire lifespan. There's a group, in fact, uh, there's many groups, but this astrology group is Cosmic Intelligence Agency. It's out of Melbourne, Australia. And the the host of that is Julie Just uh, Simos. I hope I have her name right. I have it down here. It's always a little tricky. It's very unique. And she has astrologers, Brett, Gemini Brad, uh, Ariel Gutman, and Adams Gainsburg, all of whom are extremely focused on this Venus start points. And I listened last night, and my guest and I, it'll be part of our conversation. But right now we're going into a Leo star point, and it's at 21 degrees, and that is on the 13th. Regulus, the fixed star, there's four fixed stars. And why are they fixed? Well, we have the sun's ecliptic, path of the sun and these stars rest right on it and they've been markers in time measurement points way back i mean regulus was denoted 3000 bc in the egyptian and the sumerian times and it is in the constellation of leo so tonight without too much conversation there's i mean i could go on and on but let's do it with my guest we have a wonderful guest Bear River, and he is living down in the Bay Area of Pinole, California. Just moved from Seattle last year, last year. So it's, I guess it's history now. But <laughs> for us up here, it's like, oh, he just left. And Bear is an intersectional astrologer, or that's the astrology he does. It involves mundane, evolutionary, modern, traditional. He has astro healing consultations <laughs> and a YouTube channel called Armchair Astrology. He's a Reiki master. And in the past, he has quite, and perhaps presently too, with the times we're living in, my goodness, anti-oppression, activism, and organizing. And he was the most prestigious, There, it is the most prestigious award that the Organization for Professional Astrology, which is another wonderful astrological membership and very reasonable and has a lot of benefits for any of you, both of these that I've mentioned, um, you know, for membership and, and networking with people. But last year, 2018, there was a scholarship um, process, and he won the top one 
as the most promising astrologer. So that's been, of course, a great, well, a great, a great thing. Well, Bear, it's so great to connect. I'm glad you, yes, wanted to. Thank you so much. Yeah, and and talking about these subjects because uh, Venus star point and Regulus, I suppose we could. It's it's a toss up. I mean, in that chart, Regulus is very close to Mars. And so it'll be quite strong, but maybe we should start with the Venus star point. And yeah, we could start there. Okay, sounds good. So, yeah. Well, the Venus star point is something that I'm still learning quite a bit about. It's been rather fascinating to me because I have personal placements in my chart um, that line up with a few of the Venus star points. Um, my north node is very close to the current Aries star point portion. Uh, my Pluto is right there in the Scorpio wing, and then I've got a whole stellium of Leo planets myself. And so over the years, those have been activated at different times as we go through that Leo phase of the Venus star cycle. Well, that's excellent just to begin with, because that's a point that I really wanted to bring up. And the fact is, is that those points stay pretty constant because a Venus star point from what each one lasts about a hundred years mm-hmm. and yeah it's a, just to advise our audience here and it incrementally goes from through the 30 degrees um, and so at any rate yes and when they align closely to your chart that is really significant and I'm just looking here to see which ones I think Aries was about five Where's my list? Uh, the last Aries was March of 2017, and that was, yeah, four four and nearly five degrees. Yes, four. Thank you. <laughs> We're both thinking. 457 retrograde, yep. And the Scorpio is 3.6 uh, retrograde. Did you bring mm-hmm. that one up too? I guess I should say all of yeah. them right now. And Capricorn is 1857, so it's almost 19. And Leo right now is 2111, and back in 2015, it was just a degree difference, 22, and that's the point. They really target that spot. Yeah. I yeah. Have, mine's close to the Gemini. So it, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is a learning. 2016 must have been a pretty big year for you then. It was. It was. It was significant. In fact, they've been significant. It's, it's, I start going back. And it's like, where does it begin? Because it, it between them, I think 2000 uh, would have been before that, 2011. So at any rate, learning how and, and noticing them, like we're talking about just for other astrologers or people that have their charts, It's. Mm-hmm. I think that's where when we begin to learn a little deeper, you know, just these relate yeah it's really i've been completely obsessed with looking at planetary cycles not just uh synodic cycles like the sun and the moon or the sun and any of the other planets for that matter but some of the outer planets as well and one of the things that i've noticed as i dive deeper into my traditional studies is that there are cycles that aren't so obvious for instance looking back to the last point in the venus star cycle back in October 20, well, second to last, back in October of 2018. That's right about the same time that I won the Most Promising Astrologer Scholarship from OPA. And then we 
bounce forward to January, another big cycle, but it would be hard to notice if you were just looking at lunar cycles or looking at the retrograde cycles of the inner planets. You really have to know about this specifically to see how some seemingly unrelated events actually are connected. Yes, yes, and that is a fascination of, of the depth, of the, of the intricacies of, of these layers of looking at, at, at um, different focuses of astrology. It's so true. Let's see. On, you know, when it comes to this chart right now, because those, perhaps some of you have it pulled up, and oh, the timing of it here on the Northwest or on the Pacific Coast is 11.07 p.m. August 13th. So if you're down under on the, below the equator, that's on the 14th, and your time zone will be different. And on the East Coast, it'll be actually on the 14th in the morning, like about, what is that, 2 o'clock, I guess? 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.07, yeah. Sounds about right. But... You know, Venus and Mars are so close. Well, Venus, of course, is right with the sun. What am I thinking? But Mars also with Juno. It's really a tight. It's, ever since the new moon, they've been really in focus, and it's just continuing these planets and Leo to, to really connect as an energy you know, for us to balance this feminine and the masculine, you know, in our, because if we're looking at a Venus star point, that's our, the values, how our heart wants to register uh, our, our dreams and our directions. I mean, what do we attract? What do we want? <laughs> you know? With Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Those are all such huge Venusian themes. And especially with, you know, this, exact moment corresponding with Venus being Kazemi right in the heart of the sun. I think it really serves to show that, well, a little background context for those who are still in their studies. Typically when a planet is so close to the sun, <clears throat> uh, a degree or two away, or even within 15 degrees, it's considered to be combust, which is not such a great thing for the planet. But the exception is this exact moment, which happens to be our Venus star point moment, where the planet is exactly in the heart of the sun and it's like being the filter over a spotlight. Everything Venusian gets amplified and just blasted out into the world. So it's a pretty cool thing to see, especially right after the eclipses of July. Yes. And we might say that along with that, that combust means that this light of the sun, when it's within 10 degrees, depends on the planet. It just isn't visible. So they're so close, but yet... The, the brilliancy of the sun, the, those powerful rays just obliterate the vision. But when they're close together, all that tremendous energy of the will, of the ego, of the whole power of manifestation just feeds it. So it's, it's a beautiful, con, you know, energy. Absolutely. And this particular one, Venus, will be moving to, uh, to start rising as an evening star. And for... Mercury and Venus, the two inner planets from our perspective, at least. Um, whenever they're moving into their evening star phase, they're waxing in their cycle and considered to be a lot more powerful than in their morning star phases. So it's especially exciting to see a moment, you know, for me with a personal connection, but in general for everyone to see a moment where really trusting ourselves. You know, I think that's mm -hmm. one of the big gifts of Leo is 
at the end of the day, being able to be confident in yourself um, and strong and centered in your own self and being able to translate that into sharing our values with the world or sharing beauty with the world is really inspiring. It is. It's that manifestation that's so true. And the fact that, um, as you were saying about the uh, evening star and uh, what was it? It was some word that you said. I was going to log into it and I just followed along. It was just beautiful. Um, Yeah, but it is. Oh, well, as Adam Gainsbourg says, it's when Venus becomes the queen of not just the heavens, but of Earth. You know, she's come into Earth and now she's going uh, high in the heavens and, and very powerful. And so it'll continue until June 3rd. I think, the, I think it's the 3rd, although I also read the 8th, when Gemini becomes the next star point. So there'll be phases of this strength of feeling this manifestation that you just expressed that's so imperative to, to, to experience with Leo. That, you know. Absolutely. And I think, you know, given the timing of some of the current events, some of the news headlines and some of the more serious situations that are taking place, especially here on American soil, that it really calls to mind, you know, Regulus, which is something we'll be talking about uh, tonight as well. And the relationship between Leo and courage, mm-hmm. um, the heart of the lion is the phrase that, that comes to mind whenever I think about Leo, not just because I'm a Leo and it sounds nice, but Regulus is also core Leonis. It's the heart of the lion, the bright red star, um, if you have clear skies and you're at least uh, in the northern hemisphere right now, <clears throat> if you go outside in the evening time and you get the right view of the southern sky, you can see Leo in the sky. Um, <clears throat> you can actually see Regulus and kind of get a more direct connection with it. But Regulus is that fiery heart of the lion. You know, having the heart of the lion meaning someone who has great strength and great courage. Um, thinking about the relationship between Venus and the star point and Leo as the sign that Venus will be expressing and thinking a lot about the need to stand firm, self-centered in our own personal values to speak out against things like ice raids and children being separated from their parents and detained um, indefinitely with very little support. These are, I think, some of the things that we might see playing out on a massive scale as it relates both to the Venus star point and to Regulus and also the timing of Leo season. Well, very true because it's such a perfect collaboration. That's what I was thinking, like a, uh, well, I, I think of Leo with a party of collaboration, but in any manifestation because Venus is our values, Leo is our heart, you know, they're, they're signatures of those archetypes. Here they're collaborated in this one way of looking at it, you know, as conjunctions. And Regulus, who, which is the primary, the heart, as you were saying, the heart of the lion constellation, is conjunct, that means the same degree, close to the same degree, they're two, two to part, of Mars, which is our energetic direction. So here we're aligning our will of our heart with our best values, we trust with actions for some unity. And you know, Juno, if it's commitment and marriage, originally she was really one 
uh, it was a single, in, not married to Zeus. That happened because tribes came down to that pre-Hellenistic area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, we have a choice. You know, what do we want to commit and be partnership with? That's really the, the choice. What values? What are we wanting to defend? You know, Mars can also defend. It's not just angry. It's like, if it is angry, it's going to defend what it wants to defend, a cause. Absolutely. You know, this is the perfect, you know, we, we spoke a little bit earlier before the show about the Leo Aquarius axis and kind of moving into the age of Aquarius, and that requiring working on some of the Leo stuff. And a lot of people will say Aquarius is, you know, like a rebel without a cause. And I think this particular configuration with a whole stellium going on in Leo, and this really being the first time we've had a huge dose of Leo energy without the nodes involved, oh. it is very much a rebel with the cause um, or at the very least being a warrior with a very specific cause that we choose because it it exemplifies who we choose to be yeah and when you speak of nodes i misdefinition here you know that that has to do folks with the moon and they change every 18 months and right now they happen to be in cancer that's the direction we're integrating from where we're coming from, which is more of a Capricorn and regulation rules, which are breaking down. There have energy with it that are asking, hey, is this a life force or not? So there's many, many stages. You know, I happen to, maybe this is a good timing, but for Leo, on television they have music, and so there's these little uh, sound casts, and, and there's little quotes, and I grab them once in a while. And this is by Frances Weller. And she said, love came to love, not teach. Love will teach. And I, I thought, that, that's just so great. It goes along with this other one about um, saying that a bird doesn't sing because it has an answer, but because it has a song. So in a sense, you know, all our directions that we're working together, it, it clues into who we are. You know, it's that song that we want and how we put it to form, you know, in our cause. We can still sing a song. I mean, Ar- Arlo Guthrie, I think he did a lot of union songs way back when. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Absolutely. You know, and we could, I could wax poetical about Leo-related things, but definitely thinking about Mars being very near the degree of the great American eclipse that was close to Regulus as well. And kind of seeing how this Venus star point cycle wise, and also node nodal and eclipse cycle wise, we see that we're coming back to this point where we're going, reaching back a couple of years ago, what really inspired our last big round of action and development, the working of our will and where we're at now is really about making that heart centered choice and doing that, in a way, you know, as, as Leo does, to be courageous is to, to take to heart, right? So it's not so much about just being willing to step out there, but being willing to face fears or, or limitations or any sort of externally perceived barriers in order to go ahead and still shine our light anyways. Exactly. Facing those fears despite the fact that they may be and putting them... There's so many factors involved with all of it. So just knowing that 
we have this energy. And, and two days later is the full moon, which is another continuation. But we won't. For those people that want to get involved, that's on the 15th. But it's potent. It's a potent time. So speaking about Regulus, maybe we'll, well, we have a few minutes here before our little break. And mm-hmm. yeah, Regulus, you know, back 3000 B.C., the Regulus was rising exactly at the solstice in Egypt. So at the high, the, when the sun was the highest, here was a constellation of Leo rising, and Regulus is the heart, you know, right there. And, of course, the procession of the equinox, the, the, the shifting of, the, uh, of our axis as, it, as we move through space and, and, and the... Well, that gets a little complicated because there was... Some <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's also information that I was reading that was saying, well, you know, maybe it's not the wobbling of the equinox... I mean, not equinox, but the, 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 so we won't, I won't jump there. I'll just stay with Regulus here. The fact is, is that now it has uh, shifted to zero degrees Virgo. Mm -hmm. And it'll stay there for 72 years because it takes a degree at a time. But, but at any rate, it has this legacy of, of, of such strength, as you were saying, and, and, the lions would come down to the Nile because the Nile would, in Egypt, would flood. and So that was representational, too. Yeah, Regulus is, you know, I've been taking a couple of traditional astrology courses, both some older, as in Hellenistic era astrology, and then some more recent, as in the 1700s in William Lilly. Oh, yeah. But I've been reading Vettius Valens and <clears throat> an ancient Hellenistic astrologer, we're talking right around 100 common era or so, so 100 AD roughly. Um, but he says that Leo is this masculine sign. It's the house of the sun. It's free. It's fiery. And that Leo is hot. The bright star in its breast, that's Regulus, is fiery and stifling. So I always think about that. You know, I think last year we talked a bit about Leo and just being at the peak of summer and what that fixed fire energy feels like going a little bit deeper into the history, seeing that that hot, stifling summer archetype is so much a core of what Leo is about. And that's part of where we get that courage, um, part of where we get the association with nobility and strength is that <clears throat> that ability to withstand the pressure of the hot, hot summer and stand up against it. And the leadership is shifting a little bit now that it is in Virgo. There was a great article with Cosmic Intelligence Agency, which goes by CIA with little asterisks in between them, if anybody's oh, yeah. Googling it. And they were saying that because of the, you know, the, the function of, 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 of Regulus still is the same. I mean, I have my, but at any rate, but it's service, if you can find service. And it is interesting, I will say that, because my Saturn, my natal Saturn, is zero degrees Virgo. So I think it was in the 60s that it shifted. I've got so many notes here, it's just terrible. I'm going to start throwing them on the ground so I can find the ones I want. Gee, yeah, I've got that data right there when it was. But, 
so in other words, using that strength that you know you've been bringing up, which is so vital, but using strengths of service. Sometimes we think of service as perhaps being catering to uh, catering or or inservient to somebody, but it's not. Service can be quite uh, uh, active. You know, it can be empowered to be leadership. You know, where one leads. Others. Yeah, absolutely. Leading, leading by example, I think, is one of the, the really big gifts of Leo. And, you know, looking a little bit deeper into to Regulus, you know, it is considered one of the four royal stars. Um, so of all the fixed stars, Regulus is already in the top four, which gives it some pretty high status. Um, <clears throat> and it's been connected with the side of Leo that's a little bit violent and destructive. You know, we've got that hot summer heat. You know, the, the sun in summertime can warm you up, sure, and it can help your crops grow, but it could also burn up your crops totally. Good point. Uh, Ptolemy, he talks about the sun having the function of heating things and drying things. Okay. You definitely don't want hot and dry for your grain crops, right? But it is. The, <laughs> go for it. Well, I was just thinking it's important. What you're talking about are the traditional, you know, astrologists and Ptolemy, Ptolemy, which is P-T-O-L-M-Y, I think, just for those people, because it, it's a tricky word. But he was a great astrologer and really one of our, uh, for the ancients, a key uh, wrote, you know, it, it lasted beyond the Alexandria fire and all that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it, it, good to remember that heat. I mean, we think of it as pretty rosy if we're protected, but too much heat that's why people wear sun hats and in the desert, you know, cover themselves. Yes, this is true. Yeah. The sun can be that really violent and destructive force, but it can also be the force that allows you to have success, you know. And so you see associations with loftiness, with being elevated or exalted that you get the sun, um, the potential of being a really magnanimous leader. Being very generous, right? That lends itself to the type of leadership that I think, as we've moved into this precursor to the new age, as Regulus has shifted signs through procession, we really see a shift in what we expect of a leader. It's not about the authoritarian um, side of Leo, it's about the ability to lead side of Regulus now, which has been really fascinating to learn more about and see progress over the last couple of years. It is, because it goes along with the whole idea of improvement as we do slowly go towards this age of Aquarius. And as a quote from this you know, uh, CIA, I was going to say, but Cosmic Intelligence Agency, it says, those who learn to adapt an attitude of service to the sacred the healing of planet Earth and her precious resources will be the new heroes of the next age. And I just love that. We're going to take a brief announcement and then we'll return to Talk Cosmos with Bear River for Leo and Venus Star Point. Talk to you soon. take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. 
We are currently in the Yang period of Leo, ruled by the solar sun. Having departed from a cycle based on the internal process of emotional attachments requiring security and safety, the energy of Leo externally manifests our legacy through children and artistic creations. As a fixed Yang fire sign that desires to ignite actualization, Leo the lion takes the risk to generously exhibit love and welcome all to share their stage with joyous pleasure for living life. Hey, this is Tara All, resident astrologer for Sage Goddess in Los Angeles, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we bring the planets and signs to life here on Earth. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Hi again, Sue Rose Minahan, Talk Cosmos, August 10th and 15th. Leo Venus star point, actually the evening Leo Venus star point, and Regulus fixed star. And I'm talking with Bear River of Polina, California, and his, you can find Bear online through our Talk Cosmos. We have all the guests and information but bear what is your website let's just my it. website is psyche and soul astrology.com so psyche p-s-y-c-h-e and soul s-o-u-l astrology.com okay and again if anybody just checks look at talk cosmos and by the way i will mention that we are aligned now with podcast one so you can subscribe and you can get all the archives in that so we're talking about Venus, not, yes, a Venus star point in Leo, the evening one, and also oh, that is on the 13th mm-hmm. at 11.07 p.m. here on the West Coast, and also Regulus, a fixed star, is aligned with, I'm just recapping this for folks, um, aligned with Mars and Juno. It's just an incredible lineup. So in talking, we were talking about the ancients, but also with the purpose of how to use Regulus. When it, in other words, in your charts with these Venus star points, when the sun aligns, you know, check, you might, you know, the, the emphasis. Yeah, it's looking, um, there's a great resource for those who are looking to learn more. There's always um Bernadette Brady has a fantastic book on the fixed stars. That's one place where you can learn quite a bit about how to incorporate fixed star interpretation um, when looking at your own chart. There's also the uh, Astrology King. Um, His website, astrologyking.com, that's David Palmer, um, has quite a bit of information. He's one of our modern authorities on the subject, and he's got really well-cited um, information as well. So if you'd like to get nerdy and academic with it, mm-hmm. you can go really deep down the rabbit hole there. Um, one of the things that I noted that he said that could be very interesting to look at over the course of the next week or so, he says when Mars or Saturn are in conjunction with Regulus, and we have Mars very close right now, um, especially exciting events are always recorded, like assassinations, coup d'etats, revolutions, revolts, demonstrations, overthrow of heads of state, and similar types of events. And there he is citing uh, fixed stars in their interpretation by Elspeth Eberton. 
So that's another really good source if you are inclined to dig deep into the fixed stars, but find it really interesting given all of the political turmoil we've been seeing over the course of the last couple of weeks and oh, information yes. that was revealed near the eclipses, that we've got a signature that suggests that that Leonine connection to the heart, our values with Venus and the star point, that could show up in that sort of violent and destructive way that Leo can sometimes go. And particularly because there is this uncomfortable um, aspect that's, you know, the energetic aspect with Pluto, which is the planet of transformation and soul growth, purging what doesn't work. And also with Neptune of, un, of, the, of the wild nature of the whole cosmos of that area that is beyond our control of itself, too. And in fact, looking at this, the last Leo era, of Regulus, it began in 15, not 15, 100, 157, that's 157 BC. And this is also in that CIA article, that's Cosmic Intelligence Agency. And, yeah, yeah right. And it was saying that it was hard to, you know, when there's big tr uh, transitions, pinpointing certain things is difficult. You see a theme, though, just as you were mentioning here, things like, Epstein. Is it Epstein that just w committed suicide in prison? My husband was just telling me that yeah. before I left. Yeah. yeah. It was like, what is that about? But I mean, a little, anyway, that's not quite the part we're talking about, but it, it's, but at any rate here in 157, uh, the Re Roman Republic, it said, was gaining its, gaining its strength and power. But then later, not much later, when Pluto there you go, like uh, you were referring to conjunct, that means at the same degree of Regulus at that time, which would have been 28 Leo, that his, uh, you know, Octavian, who was going to take over the um, kingdom, uh, was given that power um, by the Senate from, from Julius Caesar any rate, it does indicate more and more that it correlates, as they say, to empires and Caesar's death and even the death of Christ, you know, which whomever or however you, one thinks of him during that time, but, you know, his whole leadership of, of energy. So Absolutely. It is curious yeah. to... So we are in strong times, yeah, and it's... On a personal level, there's a personal level and a collective level. And of course, absolutely. Oh, and about the age of Aquarius, you know what they brought up? There's such debate when the age of Aquarius will be. I mean, soon, I think in 2020, at the end of 2020, which happens every 20 years, talk about planetary uh, cycles, which I too love. I love these cycles more and more. Because you can start looking at history in a whole other flavor. You see these themes that are reoccurring or shifting totally. But Saturn and Jupiter will co-join or conjunct at the same mm -hmm. degree in Aquarius. And yeah. it will instigate a whole 200-year cycle of air. Every 20 years they'll be going in air now. So that will really shift away from this. Earth basis that we've been concerned with for 
I think it's been Earth, yes? Yeah, yeah. They've been taking place in Earth signs for quite a while now. There's like, that brings to mind a talk that Georgia Statis gave at NORWAC, the Northwest Astrological Conference this last year, this, this year, back yeah, in May. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, and she was speaking about cycles of fashion specifically, Ooh. but yeah, it was a really fascinating talk. Um, highly recommend checking it out. You can purchase her talk uh, through NORWAC. Um, but she was speaking about the Jupiter, the upcoming Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, kicking off a whole series of air and speculating about what that might mean for fashion. But we talked a little bit about the, the series of conjunctions happening in Earth and happening in Capricorn and how that's really how it really represents over the last of roughly 200 years, this ongoing social movement of progress and, or debate, depending on which side, uh, which stance you take, um, around what it means to be feminine, around the patriarchy, around resisting the patriarchy. Exactly. See that with Capricorn and Cancer representing. Again and again, this whole yeah. theme is coming up, just like right now with the Venus star point where the, both the masculine of, 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 of Mars, because of the energetic, the exterior, the, the reaching out, and the, they say the feminine of the, the, the Venus energy, which is the receptive, attracting to. And of course, the more you look at it, it's not just like, oh, one's in this corner, one's in that corner. It's this somehow cellular action that happens in life all the time. But... Um, at any rate, we're really redefining. It's a matter of our values. It's a matter of how we, um, it gets back to Juno. I mean, if you look back at Juno, who was Hera for Greece, mm-hmm. pre-Hellenistic, as, as I was indicating earlier, she was not the wife of Zeus. And Zeus, who was Jupiter, later in Rome, because Rome just took all the Roman gods and our Greek gods and re uh, you know, just gave him new names. Uh, he didn't have a wife, but because nobody would give up Hera, they had to marry them off together. And because she's commitment, she really, that that provided some difficulties. Because really, if you look at Zeus's, the way I look at Zeus was, not that he was a rotten husband or anything, it was just that he had a job to do. And that was, that he, you know, he had to, create them because we're talking energetically metaphors and energies these people that this is how they spoke about how things made sense but the world had to create things i mean out of nothing there were things that created these energies that were coming up in life all the time and so that's what zeus did or if or if some mortal was thinking the way I look at it as of, of lofty, very spiritual thoughts of the king, you know, which represented the king of, of the gods, then yes, Zeus would come, would, would, might be while she was meditating on something. And so therefore that was what was alluded to. But the problem for Hera was, and it was also significant in that era, because civilization was beginning and there was a role, and people, and it was a hard world too. So you needed a lot of brute strength. It wasn't just ideas that made the day. So mm-hmm. another right. So there had to be this kind of cooperative alignment that gave really strict roles. But we're leaving that now. We're not going back. I think to when we were matriarchal before agriculture. It's more of an in, a reintegration 
of maybe in a sense of what Zeus and 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 Hera were, but as equal uh, uh, exchanges of strength, you know, to benefit. I like that idea anyway. Yeah, I think it's very very apropos, at least for the the way in which Leo can really express one side or the other, you know, and uh, in my class today, actually, uh, the School of Traditional Astrology's horary course, we were talking a bit about the planets and how they express themselves and that the sun, depending on which ancient astrology you refer to, um, maybe isn't benefic or malefic. That is, mm. you know, Saturn's always considered to be the bad guy along with Mars and Venus and Jupiter are the good ones. Mm -hmm. But the sun, depending on who you refer to, actually just goes the direction of whichever planets are near to it, which is especially interesting this time where we have the sun exactly aligned with Venus, which is mm. considered to be a, a benefic planet, but also close enough for it to count to Mars, which is considered to be a malefic planet. Yes, it is getting that energies because they had to speak in certain ways. When you're talking to any group of people, you know, the, the words are tools and perhaps they didn't have some expanded sense of words. And then again, certain words had huge meanings that were common to that time. And it's translating be between the ages, I think, is one of the really challenging and exciting things to do. So when they speak of bad and malefic, often it's just that maybe the energy caused a little more grief, which in those terms of life perhaps were really much more difficult. And life was difficult then. People died for all kinds of reasons, you know. they It wasn't, we didn't have the, quite the protections and the evolution that we have now of of technology, resources, and oh yeah, things. absolutely, yeah, right. So yeah, you know, mm, go ahead. Uh, there, there has to, if we have this symbolic language, then there has to be some set of symbols that represent the less pleasant stuff. And yeah. considering our system comes from such an an old school of thought, it's not surprising that quite a few planets weren't so nice because you know things like you know death during childbirth or the death of young children was rather commonplace. So it's not so surprising that the less pleasant side of life is also rather common in the ancient interpretations of astrology. And people are human. Like, why are babies babies? It's because they, they learn to um, their boundaries. They learn, well, ideally, and you learn what's yours and what somebody else's and to share and to all these things. It's not just acquiring skills it's really how to interact so um in other words people in ancient times could have wanted what somebody else had maybe they were hungry or maybe they had a wife or a husband or a horse or something and so there's it's complex and i mean it's exactly there's a lot of um learning and Hey, uh, before we go on, there's two names. One is, what was the name of the person who did the talk that you were speaking of in at NORWAC, Northwest Astrology Association? Georgia Stathis. Oh, Georgia. Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful gal. Yes, oh, I yeah. was. I loved her talks. Yes, Stathis. That's T-H, no, S-T-A-T-H-I-S. And then I wanted to give proper ado to Julie Ja. Simus, 
S-I-M-A-S. And she is the host, the main host of Cosmic Intelligence Agency over there in Melbourne, which is another group. So I, before I lost, there's so many times that something will get messed up and I want to correct it. So there was that. Yeah. Well, oh, that's what I was also bringing up and we can touch on. Because Aquarius is the opposite sign of Leo, it's that axis, and right now Uranus is so significant, it's in a, um, interacting with, which we won't go into, but it, it's always interacting, but at this time it's pretty significant. But what I was going to get to was that this age of Aquarius, like some people, it has been said it could be when uh, Saturn and Jupiter are, are aligning together in the same, which would be Aquarius, that's one thought. Then there's another one, all the different planets get to Aquarius. And, of course, Pluto will be in Aquarius after uh, Saturn. But Mm -hmm. then again, and then there's this great year. There's all these different cycles. But I just read in the CIA article that it says, if we use the tropical zodiac, the age of Aquarius would only start when the precessed equinox point I guess we'll have to talk about that again, what that is, <laughs> right? Zero Aries, in other words, uh, because it moves every 72 years for one degree. And right now it's at five Pisces because it's a 2,160 supposed year or something like that cycle. But what it's saying is, okay, if it's at five degrees right now and it moves one degree every 72 years, that's going to be 350 years. So it's like, okay, we're in a big transition, meaning all these incremental steps are way beyond us. And it's, I think it's an important factor to keep in perspective because sometimes older people that live, says, well, you know, what kept your life? And I say, don't sweat the small stuff. Well, with that said, there are serious things, like you're talking about causes and purposes that align to our heart and our sense of values and and everything, which is so great for Leo and, and on a personal basis or a community basis. And Aquarius is the opposite. It is that community. is taking our being of everything and extending it out for the purpose of everybody. But on the other hand, it's also this strange paradox you know if you're catching what i'm saying about realizing that it's one factor there are issues that are like right now in that chart jupiter of expansion and vision is squaring you know in that tension with neptune of 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 where we don't have control of the natural world the wild animals the psyche you know psychic and Absolutely, and also the media, and photography, and oh yeah, like a lot of different ways that we see that Neptune playing out. And I think I've been thinking of the the Jupiter Neptune dynamic, especially since Neptune is the part that's blind to Leo. If we're keeping it around Leo, Jupiter can talk to Leo, right? They have that trine relationship. Both but fire, Neptune, yeah, yeah. Neptune's in that blind spot, that inconjunct or quincunx or aversion, depending on mm. what astrology term you want to use for it. But Neptune's lurking in the blind spot to this Leo moment. So I've been looking at it a lot as this 
truth, the ultimate truth or the ultimate illusion. And I've been thinking, you know, as Leo relates to this whole conversation, as we're moving out of that Leo Aquarius nodal time, and now we're looking at really contending with these Cancer Capricorn archetypes, that it has a lot to do with what we consciously and willfully choose, how we choose to show our hearts. We can feel very heartbroken at this state of the world without necessarily choosing it, but we have to be deliberate in order to act out our values. Conscious. Yeah, that conscious awareness of identity. I think that's why, you know, we look at Gaddius Valens and he talks about Leos as being haters of evil, haters of flattery, beneficent, inflated with lofty thoughts. And so I think with that Leo Aquarius axis and that dynamic tension between those two opposites, there really is the possibility to step into a place of being so generous, so magnanimous, so kingly and noble in our method of leadership that we really facilitate community in a whole new way or going the other direction and being what Valens called irascible or tyrants. Well, that's where I like to think that there's a check and balance system. And of course, nature, it's interesting that Neptune is the inconjunct. And, And again, we'll say that if you look at the horoscope 360 degrees and coming from the east side on the left of the horizon, which is ascendant, and there's 12 houses, six below, six on top, that the, if you look directly across the sixth and the eighth, or else if you're on the ascendant, the, the two houses on the side you can't see. It's like blinders. It's, it's sort of like being in a car, so just to let people know. But Neptune, which is also out of our control and the collective consciousness or unconsciousness, you know, that deep part, not deep, you know, that vast part is, is really, I think a co-player, a co-signature, a co-creator. And we need, and that's really, if we're going to become full people, whole people, mind, emotion, body we need spirit we need to bring in our bring spirit it is that elusive you know maybe you can't quite see it but you can see it depending on your experience and vision and connection you know they call it serendipity and lots of things but that could be perhaps the benefit i think that's definitely possible and right now for this summer what i'm the, the thought that I'm really inspired by and the future that I'm really hopeful we will see begin to transpire is really that centering in of the heart. You know, if the Cancer and Capricorn eclipses asks us this question of whether or not the rules and the system matter most or whether or not our feelings and our community, our oh, quote tribe, so to speak, our friends and family chosen or otherwise, if, if they or the system matters most, and I'm really hopeful that this month and this Venus star point is the, the time when everyone is really centering into their heart and making the decision from that space of love. That's perfect. I like that. That is where we have to be. Oh, I'm just being reminded. Uh, next week, this is a time that I just mentioned who is going to be returning with us next week, which will be on the 17th. 
15th and repeating on the 22nd in the morning on Thursday is Karen Wenderlin. And she is an astrologer here in Seattle, Washington, and also an astrologer at East West Books on a routine basis. And she does, oh, Uranian and Western astrology and horary and, and lots of things. So we'll be uh, talking about, well, we'll find out what we're talking about. I know what we're talking about. I think it has a lot to do with a full moon. So it'll be quite another explanatory level of all this. And tonight I'm talking with Bear River, and he's with PsycheAndSoul.com. That's his website. And you can look online at Talk Cosmos if you can't remember that. And he does have a YouTube channel. We've been talking about the Venus star point and also Regulus, which is in that chart, and leadership of our higher terms. And for Karen Winterland, it says on the Talk Cosmos website, uh, living wholeheartedly. Thank you, Nathan. Wonderful. Nathan helps us at KKNW, which is another place that you can listen to online or at Podcast One. Things are expanding. You're talking about Jupiter and 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 uh, Neptune. I guess that's part of the deal, isn't it? <laughs> All ends up being part of the deal when you look in deep at it. Yeah. So we do need to connect to our heart. I'm so glad you're recurring that theme. You are a Leo, and it is something, the gift of, of teaching us that sing that song because you have a song, whatever tempo you want. It's really uh, the radiant gift of, of, that we each have in our own dimension. Well, we have a couple minutes there. Yeah. I think in this moment, I feel really inspired to say, you know, to all those folks out there who think to themselves, well, I don't have any Leo in my chart. We all have everything in our chart somewhere and in some fashion. And that's where it can be really helpful to talk to a professional astrologer if you're interested in finding out how you personally embody and, and emit Leoness in your own life. But I think every single person has the ability to, to shine that special Leo light. And that's the if you fully embrace who you are and you emit your love and your joy or what gives you love and joy and you broadcast that out, it gives every other individual that you come across with a little more courage to do the same. And I think if we can combine joy, love and courage, then we can all be centered in ourselves in a way that allows for a healthy expression of community. I think that's the ultimate height of the Leo Aquarius axis. Oh. Beautiful. As it said, we're called to service of some kind and we'll help shape that better world. Thank you so much, Bear. Thank you so much for having me, Sue. Okay. And blessings to all you fabulous, fantastic souls. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.